0: well hello ladies and gentlemen how are you all doing today uh today is wednesday otherwise known as sandwich day um and that is uh, september 15 2021 i hope you all are doing quite well today and everyone's having a happy happy sandwich day because after all between uh thursday and tuesday lies a day so tasty it's called Sandwich day and that's the day that we are having today Hope you guys are doing well. Um, midweek here in uh, middle September. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you quite plainly and clearly, although I know I don't got to tell you, uh, September is just going to uh, move along quicker than, uh, quicker than a, a tumbleweed on a windy Arizona day, if that um, analogy fits for you all. Anyways, I hope you guys are doing well out there. Welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sea Report. I'm your host, Mr. C, coming to you live on this Wednesday evening, September 15, 2021. And uh, today is International News Day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to hit it with some international news. I hope you guys are doing well out there. We're coming to you live at Twitch, Clout Hub, and also on the Foxhole app. We save the best for last here at the uh, C Report, so I hope you guys don't mind. Uh, looks like we got a few peeps uh, coming into the chats over at the foxhole.app. app. That uh, is uh, the Texan Howdy Aurelius Locke. Good evening, sir, and Yavapai Michael. Hi Yavapai, how you doing today? Ah, it's good to see we have a uh, three fine Ohio Kimmy. Hola chico, she says she's here. Now uh, we have uh, we have four fine. I was about to say we have three fine men in the. Uh... <laughs> The chat room today, but uh, now we have a one fine lady as well. Uh, and thanks for tuning in. Uh, yes, that's right. We're doing our international uh, spiel today. Um, let's see what are we going to tackle today, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, there's a lot of news going on. Don't uh, don't uh, be mistaken. But uh, we shall um, we shall leave one day of the week at least to international news. Um, let's see what we got here for today. Uh, a real quick short. Now, this story was actually interjected kind of last minute in today's report, and that would be about uh, the, um, the uh, medication, drug, however you want to call it. Uh, most people, because of the brainwashing that they suffer at the hands of the, uh, the mainstream, lamestream, fake news media, uh, would call ivermectin, you know, animal medication, uh, you know, dewormer, as it were, Uh, at least we know that that's one side of the story that we've been hearing about through and through, through the entireness of the media uh, and and publications and, you know, uh, even down to trash rags like Rolling Stone, uh, just saying, hey, if you take ivermectin, you're liable to poop a bunch of worms. Go figure, ladies and gentlemen, that's how they're touting it. Uh, just like, uh, you know, uh, HCQ would have uh, killed you. Uh, and, and never never mind that one uh, scientist woman that killed her husband, uh, you know, overdosing him on HCQ. That, that has nothing to do with it, right? We don't need to pay attention to those stories. Those stories don't mean anything, right? Well, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that uh, in India, in a specific state and region of India, at least to be sure, Ivermectin has, uh, proven to have beat COVID like nearly a hundred percent, ladies and gentlemen. Now we know India, you know, has been, uh, utilizing such, um, such medications as, uh, ivermectin as well as, uh, hydroxychloroquine for quite some time, which is crazy though, because, you know, I suppose in some regions of India where they're not utilizing such, uh, drugs and, uh, other such things, uh, what do they call them, prophylactics? You know, we're not talking about the rubber kind either, right? Um, (laughs) You know, uh, India has been touted as like one of the worst places for COVID where everyone is just falling apart and dying. And it kind of makes me wonder if that just was maybe not some of that uh, international propaganda that we're fed from time to time, you know, kind of like how they call uh, conservative leaders of the world, right-wing extremists. Yeah... All of those uh, media companies absolutely uh, sh- uh, sharing that propaganda from that Kool Aid they've been drinking, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, at least the Kool Aid they're trying to pass on to us um, and, and hope that we'll, uh, you know, we, we, we'll fall in line and, and believe what they say as news giants. Uh, exactly on what is what around the world. But that's what we're about here at The Sea Report on International News Day. We're about dispelling that uh, propaganda and dispelling those lies that the media tries to tell us and tries to force us to believe. You know, it's, it's hard enough to get a straight story from the news media, lamestream, mainstream, legacy, fake news media, Uh, From city to city, from state to state in our own country, let alone trying to get some real stories and real news out of them from around the world. And let me tell you what, if uh, if uh, the legacy media had their way, you know, um, all of the crown colonies would be, uh, you know, beautiful capitalist democratic uh, societies. And uh, all of the conservatives rising out there would uh, just be, uh, you know, little Hitlers and, uh, you know, little fascists uh, trying to uh, destroy democracy. But of course, you know, what they don't realize is that when you start using words like democracy and you start using it and just throwing it around, uh, it kind of becomes obvious that that's uh, that's that's their main dish that they try and serve up to us there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, They try and make us feel for democracy and in doing so uh, forget the rest of the story. Did anyone know that today is like some, I think it's called like international democracy day or day for democracy. I don't know. I don't follow those calendars. I'm sure pill by the rabbit might know. Uh, But uh, in the meantime, in between time, I think that's what I read today. Today is like a international day for democracy. Which, which I means, uh, which I guess means, uh, international day for the globalists to uh, enact regime changes across the planet. I didn't see them with anything organized to that point, uh, to be specific. But uh, it's not like they haven't been doing that for some time, at least decades. You know, decades. That kind of thing's been going on. Good evening, good evening, everyone. Hey, Diversity Hire, welcome to uh, the Seed Chats. And uh, how you doing? Asks I'm doing quite well, thank you. I appreciate you asking, sir or ma'am. And I also uh, thank you for gifting the can here over at the C chats. Uh, your donations are much appreciated and they go far because uh, we are listener supported here over at The C Report and Mr. T V. Casual Gigi, good evening. How are you today? I hope you are well, my friend. And uh, Ohio Kimmy says, Ivermectin was made for humans. Um, they, uh, they are both FDA approved. Uh, indeed, uh, Ohio Kimi, that is so true. Now, how it came about that uh, we uh, pesky humans figured out that it would help us deworm our horses and dogs, I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, there is human grade ivermectin. Uh, it doesn't come just in the form of toothpaste, right? You know, it, it comes in uh, various forms, in- including capsules and pills. Ooh, what a concept that the mainstream, lamestream fake news media does not want us to realize. I don't think they're doing as well of a job at, um, you know, uh, uh, demonizing ivermectin as they did hydroxychloroquine. And it's a real shame about hydroxychloroquine because hydroxychloroquine has been on the markets and approved for much longer. Well, at least by what, a, a decade or two? prior to ivermectin and uh yeah you know and hydroxychloroquine i mean along with what like zinc and all of the other kind of ingredients that would be uh, make it truly effective for you um totally demonized i mean even the papers come out and they and they show you know like uh what was it that what was it was it the lancet right that one lancet report that just totally crapped all over it and just scared the bejesus out of everybody You know, uh, it comes out that that was all false, and and yet still the people just don't seem to listen and or pay attention. What is it going to take, we say? I don't know. Something tells me that we will have to be at the gates of hell itself. We will have to be on a life support system with a hand going to unplug that machine before enough people will finally wake up. But... I mean, that's enough people to satisfy us, maybe. I mean, and by us, I mean like, you know, you know, we patriots who've been awake for a long time. But uh, who knows? Maybe we won't need that many people to be awake uh, to enact a true change across all boundaries and including all parties and people. Hopefully that will at least be the case as we're seeing. Um, you know, because it doesn't take that many to uh, strike up a revolution, but... You know, 3% to make revolution minus the media and a printing press. No, I mean, there was a printing press back then, I'm sure. But minus a media television demon that controls all the minds of the children and the people. I don't know. Do you think that 3% then dwindles down to like 2%? 1.5%? No, 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 no. Actually, I, I say that I said that backwards. Do you think that that 3% would, uh, uh, spur up to like 6%, 9%? Do we need 25% of the people to be awake in order to combat the machinations of these television screens that have forever brainwashed society for decades and generations? I don't know, but I'm sure that we'll get there eventually. I'm sure that we will get there eventually, and uh, all we have to do is keep persevering. And I know that sounds like a kind of poo-poo. It, you know, I don't poo-poo nothing. The only thing I poo-poo is my toilet bowlies. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Whoa, where did that come from? That is totally crass. Uh, okay, so good evening. Uh, the speak uneasy. Good to see you, sir. Um, and uh, let's see here. Oh, you are yes. I'm glad to hear that you are blessed, uh, Miss Casual Gigi. Shall, uh, hopefully, um, not hopefully, um, shall you remain blessed? That's not a question, that's a statement. You shall remain blessed? Anyways, yeah, so great day, guys. Great day, guys. Uh, Speak uneasy's driving right now. Ooh, today's the dreaded Wednesday, which means uh, Speak uneasy is either back in enemy territory or he's on his way there. Welp, go forward with strength, my friend. Go forward with strength and do what you have to do. Um, okay, guys. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We're going to start with the ivermectin beating COVID in India. We're going to talk a little bit more about, uh, President Bolsonaro. We're going to keep Bolsonaro in our sight, you know, because as the fourth largest democracy, you know, this is, uh, International Demo- D- Democracy Day or whatever I said. Uh, I think it, it behooves us to pay attention to Brazil because right now, uh, they basically have um, the uh, Brazilian version of President Trump in office in Brazil. Uh, so I think we should keep our eyes on Brazil. So we're going to talk a little bit about Brazil, going to share some stories with you all about what's going on over there. Very important, guys, because uh, we need uh, President Bolsonaro to um, uh, be successful in Brazil. Brazil. In Brazil. <laughs> Sorry, In Brazil, we need, uh, we need, uh, we need him to be successful. Like seriously, we need him to be successful. Uh, we need to, uh, we need to uh, support him. And you know, Americans already do, at least conservative Americans already do, who do not just listen to international headlines or whatever CNN Brazil tells them. Cause let me tell you what I was looking up. Uh, I was looking up Brazil. I was looking at Bolsonaro, uh, over on the, um, the, um, um, the quickly going out of style YouTube. And I mean, everything was in Spanish and I mean, I'm not, sorry, not Spanish, Portuguese. And if it wasn't, it was CNN, Brazil in Portuguese, you know, couldn't really get, uh, couldn't really understand what they were saying there. They don't offer any type of, uh, translational services, but I did, uh, I did, uh, gather a couple of stories, uh, for you guys tonight on Brazil. Um, and, uh, I, based on the videos I saw on, uh, you know, the, uh, the old guard that is known as YouTube, um, it seems like there's a lot more going on over there than is being reported in the papers, but, uh, we will continue to press forward with that story. Some pretty interesting stuff. And then, uh, we're also going to take a little bit of a look. We're going to go, uh, we're going to go a little south of the border to Mexico today. And uh, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in Mexico. That is quite the contrary to what's going on here in the United States. And indeed, I'll say it again, as I've said it before, um, you know, it seems that Mexico and uh, President uh, Obrador, otherwise known as President AMLO, uh, was, was quite congenial with the United States of America when President Trump was in power, in, in office. Uh, but uh, what they're doing now in Mexico Uh, Just really goes to show you, for one, you can't trust a Mexican. (laughs) That sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? Oh my goodness, if only you guys knew the stories. But, and keep in mind, (laughs) I am not a full-blooded Mexican. No, just kidding. I would never deny my heritage. At least uh, a quarter to half of my family comes from that country. But, uh, I mean, you can't trust a Spaniard either, apparently. Anyways, okay, so... uh, the, the Mexicans, uh, Obrador, making some moves I don't quite agree with. And, and you know, it just goes to show that uh, maybe Mexico is willing to play along with the United States of America as long as they had a president who either A, did not ignore them and uh, just do whatever they want, or B, um, um, uh, just totally sucked, right? Uh, because with this weak junta regime that we have in the United States of America right now, um, yeah, they're going to do whatever the hell that they want. And we've seen that already with what the Taliban and now China and all of these other people, diversity higher, you know, being that some Mexican does run in my bloodline, I can say that about Mexico. And don't you ever hear them say, Lupe, I need to check your bag. i just kidding. (laughs) Oh, and just like that, the C Report is banished into, uh, what do you call it? (laughs) The C Report is censored and blackballed and canceled because, uh, Mr. C said something about Mexicans. It's okay. Look at my eyes. Don't I always look like I'm half asleep? Anyways, okay. (laughs) I'm not Asian. Oh, shnikes. What did Mr. C just say? What is going on on this sandwich day here on Wednesday, September 15th? Uh, What can I say, guys? Tomorrow is Mexican Independence Day. It is Mexican Independence Day. It's El Dia del Grito. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about... I know, right? You know what? Diversity hire over here with a name like that. You probably are watching to see if I'm going to get canceled. He's like, oh, no. He's not politically correct. We got to cancel this one. (laughs) I'm the diversity hire. I'm not picking on you. It's fine. Have you ever seen a? Have you ever seen um? Have you ever seen that South Park episode with uh, the 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 PC principal and it's all about diversity and stuff like that? Anyways, that's kind of what I'm making fun of right now. Um, uh, diversity hire says, but are you Spanish though? Because I included a Spanish comment in there. That is, you cannot trust Spaniards. Can you? Historically speaking, anyways, um, uh, diversity hire. Uh, I have um, a high concentration of Spanish blood, a high concentration of Mexican blood, and a little bit of German and Anglican blood in my uh, family. Uh, I, I don't I wouldn't qualify myself as Native American even though uh, my family's uh, my family's um, my family tree on my mother's side disappears after uh, prior to 1836, if you know what I mean. Right. Uh, So most definitely, um, either I would need to get into the, uh, you know, birth certificate realm of uh, Mexico to find out, um, you know, what the rest of my lineage is uh, on the Mexican side, or it's just totally native, but I don't claim native because I don't know that. And I'm not Elizabeth Warren and I'm not about to do that. But chances are I'm probably more Native American than Elizabeth Warren is. Go figure. I don't know. Maybe I should look it up. So this way I could get some kind of like, I don't know. (laughs) So I can get some reparations, right? Yeah. So I can play the victim. Anyways... (laughs) University Higher said he's calling Media Matters now. The next thing you know, tomorrow, uh, Media Matters is going to publish an article that talks about the racist, bigoted, xenophobic Mr. C that comes out on the foxhole.app, which is full of racist, uh, misogynistic, um, Hitlerian, Nazi, right wing extremists. Is that the case? <laughs> diversity higher because you know i could never see myself in those papers i mean no one is ever going to be like this guy mr c you know (laughs) it's just not going to happen and and then when they find out that i'm a gay latino trump supporter they're gonna be like oh snap Uh (laughs) anyways oh, you too much fun diversity i like you um, uh, let's see. Uh, speaking easy says, Mr. C, you're not a puto. So you're all good. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, I only like being called, no, I'm not going to say that guys. I'm sorry. I was going to say something that's reserved for Mr. C in the dark and we'll leave it there. Okay. <laughs> Ohio Kimmy says we are being surrounded by communists, communism. Yes, we are hundred percent, honey. Canada, Cuba, Mexico, Cuba, West coast, China, East Coast China, it's like this, this disease, like this pandemic called communism has suddenly taken a stronghold on the world, isn't it? Quite honestly, it is, ladies and gentlemen. And that's kind of, uh, Ohio Kimmy, you gotta be reading my notes here because we're gonna talk a little bit about that when we get to Mexico. Uh, because right now they're just like socialist. I guess. I mean, I don't even think the Mexican government knows what they are. <laughs> they have no idea what they are. Uh, they, I mean, I would I would say that they are, they are uh, controlled by oligarchs, uh, unseen oligarchs of the cartel family, right? But uh, indeed, no. I mean, uh, what the heck is Mexico? No one knows what the hell kind of government they are. They're a dilapidated government. They're a falling apart government. They're a yes-man government. I don't know. You know, um, I mean, uh, Obrador touts himself as a a liberal socialist type of president, and yet he stood side by side with Trump. I know it's just because uh, President Trump basically respected their government as it stood and uh, didn't uh, didn't overreach and try and like regime change or, or send in our army or whatever have you, you know, but anyhow... Yeah, that's basically that. Um, as far as that goes, you know, Yavapai Michael, I do not doubt that you are 100% native Yavapai, and uh, I welcome you, sir. Uh, (laughs) That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Um, um, if I were to be politically correct, Yavapai Michael, should I apologize to you for what our people have done to your people? I don't know how that works, guys. Honestly, but I mean, that was supposed to be a joke. It didn't. <laughs> it didn't really come off like one, though. It sounded like I was going into like a pretty serious soapbox there. Just V, did I say hello to you, sweetie? I saw you in there, sweetie. I know you're there. Good evening, my friend. I just I don't know. It just smacked me in the head like that. Like I saw Just V, but did I say hello? I don't remember. So I'm saying hello again. Um, let's see here. Uh, Aurelius Locke says he is Choctaw, Cherokee, and Irish. Very cool, sir. Get your reparations while you can. Uh, oh, he says, which basically just means I'm American. At this point, guys, that's how I am. I mean, you know, when I have these, uh, when I have these, um, these, uh, I don't know, uh, dull and uneducated uh, Mexicans in my area, start going, well, we were here first, blah, 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 you know, I'm like, B, I'm like, "Uh, Texas was here before America, B, so like, uh, you should figure out when you were born, B, you know, (laughs) Uh, to that I say, you know, I'm like a fourth or fifth generation Texan. I don't know what it is. Uh, Maybe you guys can tell me, Are, are we too prideful, we Texans? Because like sometimes like people are like, aren't you Texan? And then they'll like start just like throwing all this crap, you know? And I'm like, are you jealous? Uh, (laughs) is it because you don't have that much pride in your state? I mean, come on, guys. Texas was a country prior to joining America, even though Mexico had it for Texas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, can anyone say that Washington was a country first? Or California was its own damn country? No. Uh, are there natives of California, like Native Americans? Like, is there an Indian tribe associated with California or Washington? I'm sure there are. I mean, there's bound to be. I mean, there's no way in earth that uh, a lot of the land here in these states prior to being discovered, you know, by the Spaniards um, did not have indigenous people. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't know. Uh, But, yeah, but they weren't a country. They maybe maybe were a nation, right? Like the Choctaw Nation, the Cherokee Nation, the Yavapai Nation. Uh, But they weren't a country. And that's not to say that they weren't civil, obviously. God, I'm just going to keep putting my foot in my mouth tonight just so you guys know. (laughs) Anyways, Sherry Pittsburgh, good evening. How are you doing tonight? You'll get a knock on your door signed Diversity Hire, right? <laughs> Anyways, oh, you're awesome, Diversity. Uh, let's see here. Left, oh, oh, uh, Diversity Hire. Oh, 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 oh wait, 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 what am I missing out here? Oh, okay, 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 okay. So Yavapai Michael asked Diversity Hire, what is Media Matters? Diversity Hire responded a left-wing video journalist. Now, I did not read Yavapai's question. So right away, I was thinking that he was saying that he was a left-wing video journalist. I was like, oh, dang. Like, at least he's being honest. (laughs) I was like, that's cool. Let's go, bro. Uh, No, just kidding. That's awesome. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Diversity Hire says, Everyone said I looked Mexican all my life. Finally, took a DNA test. Found out that I was everything but Mexican. Sometimes that happens, my friend. I mean, when when we get away from the uh, when we get away from the uh, Caucasian type of uh, of skin tone or pigmentation, and and even that can be confusing when the boys get nice and tanned. I mean, when they get a nice and a uh, nice suntan, you know, can be a little bit confusing, right? Um, When we get away from uh, that pigmentation versus like uh, uh, people who are from African descent type of pigmentation, absolutely. Everything in between. What are you? Indian, Asian, Mexican. You know how many Mexicans I've, you know, how many Asians I've mistaken for Mexican? Do you know how many Spaniards I've mistaken for Caucasian? Uh, Do you know? I mean, uh, seriously, or, or Indian as an Indian dot, not Indian how, right? Okay. Even. That is mixed in Philippines, uh, all the stuff, you know, if you're not black or white, you're pretty much all the same. Is that racist? (laughs) No, that's not racist because race has nothing to do with skin color. We're a human race. Don't you know that? It's uh, it's ethnicist. (laughs) But I guess ethnicist was too hard for them to say at the protests, huh? So they couldn't just say, you're an ethnicist. Right? No, they couldn't say that. Or a pigmentist. <laughs> You're a pigmentist. Is what you are. Um, yeah, but they couldn't. It was too hard to say at the rallies. Racist just rolls off the tongue, right? Got your card made? Yeah, that's what we're talking about, baby. Anyway, oh my goodness, Aurelius Locke says we're schnobs. <laughs> we are not, Katie schnobs, Aurelius Locke. Okay, you, you know, I'll tell you what. I I have a lot of pride for being a Texan. Uh, but I don't look down the nose at anyone who's not, it's not like I would be like, Hey, you Arkansanians, You're just a bunch of Coke running Clinton loving, uh, backwards people, you know, (laughs) who have, uh, who never fought for their, their selves. I would never say that. I would, (laughs) I would never be like, Oh, you New Yorkans over there. You think, you know what, uh, what salsa is. (laughs) I'm not like that. I mean, maybe I'm a different kind of Texan. I don't know. But, uh, but indeed, you know, I just, I do take pride enough in my state and my heritage to acknowledge it. And uh, it's, it's not my fault that uh, the Texans who preceded me, um, you know, did, uh, did such a great job of uh, making a name for this land. I stand on the shoulders of previous Texans trying not to pee on them, okay? (laughs) I try. I try. I really do try. Anyway. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's awesome. You guys are awesome. Thank you for... uh Entertaining my kind of like uh, spazzy little ideas. This is what International Day is all about. At the Sea Report, we're going to talk about all kinds of uh, all kinds of stories and races and and ethnicities and cultures and stuff like that. Even though we're only going to focus on about three to four today, and we should probably get on the roll. We're already about uh, half uh, half hour in, uh, so to speak, into today's report. Uh, all right, let me just finish up a chat here and we'll jump right into it. Uh, for those of you uh, joining us at Clout Hub and or at the Twitch, uh, go to the Foxhole app if you want to be part of this conversation. I still love you guys. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is where we focus our attention. Ohio Kimmy Chica says she's a wheat cracker. <laughs> a wheat cracker. Well, yeah, It's still tasty. It's, it's healthier. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's see here. Uh, several tribes in California. Ca- California is its own communist country, says the Speak Uneasy. Uh, that is a fact. And you know what, guys? I mean, you guys already know it. I don't got to say it. Uh, frickin' the recall elections over there. Stinky poo. Smell susio, if you know what I mean. Um, that's not good, guys. That is not good. Now, hopefully, guys... In the uh, tradition that we have seen since January twentieth, some light will be shed upon the uh, activities in California because that's where we're at right now, guys. We're at a uh, we're at a, a point of uh, observance and exposure, right? We are at an exposure point for everything in the world and how it works and who does it, right? So hopefully, hopefully, because if you guys, uh, if any of you guys uh, had a chance to listen to Larry Elder's concession slash not concession speech, I mean, he did say, he did say, uh, we did not win. I don't know if that's saying I concede, but he also did say that they're not done yet. Um, And if that meant that they were going to press forward with uh, pressuring, uh, you know, the uh, California assemblymen and the governor into doing what they want. I mean, we all say that, but uh, I don't think so. I think there's a little bit more behind that. Maybe we'll see it uh, as it goes along. Who knows what's going to happen? But I definitely hope because remember, guys, what was it like over a month ago? We shared with you guys a story about legitimate election fraud in it was in Santa Barbara, California at Santa Barbara University, right? We shared that story with you guys where we left off. No jurisdiction was taking responsibility for anything. And they were just tossing the investigator around and no one cared to even seek out any type of accountability. And that was University, uh, California. I mean, uh, Santa Barbara, California. Okay. So there's evidence right there. Yes, that's a hard line story of election fraud in California proper hardline like that was like you cannot defy this they had the evidence they had everything they turned it in and nothing was done okay so maybe now and i guess is harry hurst going to get involved now i really wonder but uh, but maybe now ladies and gentlemen we'll see if uh through this uh this um uh Pilfered recall election this uh botched Recall election. If some light will be shown on the inner workings of what is going on in California, I hope and I pray because this is not what I wanted for my birthday. (laughs) Anyways, okay, now we'll see, we'll see, we will see, and we'll we'll probably talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. But I know you guys all know uh, what the results are of that recall election. I cannot even imagine how half of you guys are feeling tonight especially if you are on the West Coast. I don't trust those genealogy tests either, Aurelius Locke. Ohio Kimmy says, my hubby is Hispanic and they think he looks Hawaiian. That's what I'm saying. You know, Pacific Islander, Asian, a Filipino, Mexican, uh, Indian, uh, Patagonian. I mean, we all look the same. (laughs) Uh, you know, okay. So speaking of these, he says, you know, how many people thought I was Hispanic? Uh, sir, looking at you, I thought you were from the barrio also, my friend. Like <laughs> When I met you, I was like, you do not look Asian. Like, oh, yes. Like you look nothing like you did in my head. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. And it's definitely not an insult, but, uh, expectations, and reality are always two different things. And, uh, like I said, uh, ever since, uh, 2016, our expectations have been defied. So why have them, right? Two Rivers says, You're welcome, Mr. C. Howdy. Huge Uttar Pradesh, India announces, uh, Two Rivers, can you wait until we get into that story, sir? A little respect, please. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Two rivers. Yes, we're going to be talking about Uttar Pradesh today. Did you read my headline? Yes, yes. And the big whoop is that. Uh, uh yeah. Um, uh, ivermectin beats COVID in India. Just did you see the headline right there? Ivermectin beats COVID India. I'm sorry, I did not put Uttar Pradesh. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is huge indeed, sir. It's huge. Look. Look, look at, he's trying to get ahead of my story, guys. Why don't you just give them the link to the article, Two Rivers? <laughs> we all know where you got it from, anyways, Gateway Pundit. Okay. Any, <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, Yavapai Michael says, I only see the color of the skin. Um, and then, uh, what meth house runners, not coke. I don't know what that is in reference to, sir. Um, There's a story coming out of Mexico today, uh, Mr. Two Rivers. I'm pretty sure you're a man at this point. Um, But there's a story coming out of Mexico uh, wherein there was a huge drug bust. It was actually a huge meth bust. Is that what you're talking about, Two Rivers? Because if you are, why don't you drop the story in in the chat, right? Don't drop the link in the chat, Two Rivers. Don't just leave us hanging with, uh, meth house runners, uh, <laughs> anyhow, so, um, yes, uh, uh, out of Mexico, there was a huge methamphetamine bust that happened on the 13th, and, uh, I think something like over 40 people were arrested, so I don't know if you're into meth Two Rivers, but expect to pay more, anyways, okay, so, all right, uh, let's see here, what else do we got, oh, uh, yeah, oh <laughs> Okay. I got you. I don't know. What is, uh, Aurelius, what are you, what are you, uh, what are you, Kevin? Uh, <laughs> what is that guy's name from Home Alone? Kevin, whatever. Ah, what are you doing over, Aurelius? I don't know what's going on. Okay. So, Ohio, Kimmy, thank you for, uh, thank you for um, um, uh, gifting the uh, cookie. Wait, <laughs> Two Rivers says, just kidding, not even a hidden chat. What are you talking about, Two Rivers? I am so lost. Um, let's see, Casual Gigi says saw a documentary years ago about Eskimos. Hey, that's not politically correct. They're called Inuits. <laughs> Anyways, it's okay. We're not PC here. Uh everyone's got pretty strong, uh, strong uh, emotions and uh uh um emotional support here, right? Uh we're pretty pretty strong. Anyways, Casual Gigi says saw a documentary years ago about Eskimos traveled south to America before it was discovered could that have been possibly through the land bridge that connected Alaska to Russia that uh you know uh uh, uh Palin was talking about right <laughs> oh my goodness you guys are great i love you guys i love you all just so you know i love you all anyways so <laughs> Oh, Two Rivers has been in a seminar. Oh, my bad, Two Rivers. I like you, Two Rivers. Are you from Arkansas, Two Rivers? It seems that you might be. Oh, I get it. Yes, they weren't meth runners. They were Coke. You know, I was making an allusion to uh, the Clintons there. Obviously, Two Rivers. You're a smart one, Two Rivers. Man, I like your, uh, I like your, uh, not only your uh, humor but also your grace. I thank you guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think we have uh, we have uh, congregated enough here on that. <laughs> now I get why Aurelius is going like this. Oh, anyway, <laughs> okay, guys, let's get into this. Okay, so like I said, we're gonna talk about uh, India. We're gonna talk about Brazil. We're gonna talk about Mexico for sure. And uh, if we have a few extra minutes, we'll talk a little bit about Canada tonight. Uh, first things first, as always here at the C-Report, President Trump does lead. Uh, do we need to even ask? Of course he does. He is our leader in chief, right? Now, to be sure and for a fact, 100%, President Trump uh, did not have any statements today, Okay. No statements. Uh, he had a whole bunch of in case you missed it moments. Um, if you want to include that as a statement. And uh, I'm sure for President Trump that drives the point home. Uh, you know, we're talking about what Senator demands to know who is in charge at White House after Biden cut off mid-sentence. That had to do with uh, Anthony Blinken's hearing uh, that took place what? A couple of days ago and uh i don't remember the name of the senator who it was uh but there was a senator uh a, a well not a well known but a familiar senator um who oh it was oh actually no he's not so familiar his name is senator james Risch of idaho i have no idea who that man is i've never heard of him before i'm not from idaho forgive me but he asked anthony blinken straightforward uh who is the person in charge of turning off biden's microphone uh, when he goes off script and blinken's like, I don't know uh, And he's like, well, it's happened before <laughs> they should have they should have played him a video honestly, you senators know you can be creative in your Senate chambers during your committee hearings. You should have played a montage of President Biden's mic getting cut off. Uh, did I say President Biden? my bad President select Biden's mic getting cut off. Uh, when he's trying to engage and step out of bounds according to his instructions. Uh, But of course they did not do that. And uh, apparently Blinken was just like, it's all a lie. It doesn't happen. You're being brainwashed. Uh, Listen to me. I'm trying to gaslight you. Yeah, that's basically about that. Uh, Another in case you missed it moment from President Trump. Biden has never been honest about the Trump vaccines, a full article up at Real Clear Politics. Now I like Real Clear Politics. Um, Particularly because they allow you to, uh, you know, uh, post full articles written by their journalists on your blog if you want to, as long as you credit them. Real cool, real cool politics. Uh, sorry, real clear politics. Uh, you guys should go check out that story. In case you missed it, Saki stands by having employer vaccine mandate while illegal immigrants get a pass. Not only are illegal immigrants getting a pass on these mandatory vaccines, it seems also refugees from Afghanistan are. Is there a double standard here? Is there an America last agenda here? Probably so, but uh, no one in the mainstream media is gonna pay attention to that, right? In case you missed it, Biden's presidency is already a total disaster and it's all his own fault. I think that, uh, the sleeping Americans, two thirds of them, even though some of them are starting to wake up now, I think that they did miss that, President Trump. I think they did miss that, to be sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So a few, in case you missed it, moments coming out of, uh, President Trump's statement reel today. Uh, very good and very interesting indeed. But, uh, oh God. <laughs> Sorry. So this is the next this is the next one after. I meant to actually preface this picture before I showed it to you guys. My bad. Because now you're probably wondering why do we have Sean Spicer standing here in a uh and <laughs> an electric fluorescent green. Um, uh, I don't know, what, what would you call that? Uh, poets tunic slash mariachi slash cha cha girl getup, right? <laughs> I would have to say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is because we do have an interview with President Trump as appearing on um, Newsmax's Sean Spicer and Company that came out last night. Uh, So we're going to watch that real quick before we get into our international news. And I was just going to say, I cannot not see Sean Spicer in this ensemble when I think about him. Um yeah, uh let that let that uh, let that seep and set into your mind, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. It's uh Sean Spicer, guys. Just just think about him wearing that outfit as he's interviewing President Trump. <laughs> it's his fault. He he's the one that got on a, he's the one that went on a Dancing with the Stars, okay? So <laughs> yeah former press secretary sean spicer all right guys i'll leave it there you've seen enough right this is the next uh this is the next general victoria mark milley right like sean spicer in a cha-cha outfit Oh, you know sean spicer's glad that he got them cha-cha heels Let's go ahead and check it out, guys. It's not a long interview, and uh, we'll be right back with uh, the rest of the international news for today. Ladies and gentlemen, Brazil is coming. Calm yourself down, Two Rivers. And uh, I'll tell you what, Two Rivers, you're, you're lucky that I like potatoes, okay? So throw as many of them as you want. <laughs> All right, guys, here's uh, President Trump on Spicer and company.
1: States Donald J. Trump. Mr. President, thank you so much for joining us here tonight.
0: Well,
2: thank you both
3: very much. Thank you. Mr. President, before we got a lot to get to before we get started, I gotta personally say thank you for your support and endorsement of Radical Nation. Right at the top of that book, you're in the back. Again, can't thank you enough for your continued support. In that Cha Cha shirt. Of everything I've done since I left your service in the White House. That's
2: great, John. Congratulations, Stu. Thank you very much.
3: All right, sir. In Bob Woodward's new book, he claims that General Milley twice tried to reassure Chinese officials that he would prevent a military strike because he was, for some reason, concerned about you. One, was there ever any consideration of using the military? And two, what do you think about General Milley's actions?
2: So first of all, if it is actually true, which is hard to believe, uh, that he would have called uh, China and done these things and uh, was willing to advise them of an attack or in advance of an attack, that's treason. And I would think, I've had so many calls today saying, that's treason, number one. Number two, it's totally ridiculous. I never thought of it. You were there. You were you would do what was happening in the White House. You have plenty of friends. You never heard the word China mentioned in a thing like this. You heard a lot of anger about China on trade, and we made a great trade deal. You heard a lot of anger in China with the China virus, but... Uh, For them, for him to say, for him to say that I would even think about attacking China. I think he's trying to just get out of his incompetent withdrawal out of Afghanistan. The worst, the dumbest thing that anybody's seen. Probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to our country where they, they killed our soldiers. They, we left with embarrassment on our face. We left Americans behind. And we left $85 billion worth of the best equipment in the world that I bought because I was the one that rebuilt our military and then Biden gave it away. For him to say that I was going to attack China is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And everybody knows it. And I have to tell you, I don't know if they have him on tape saying this, but I found Woodward and I found uh, his uh, cohorts to be extremely dishonorable people. That's why I didn't do an interview with him. I think he's highly overrated. This guy's one of the most overrated guys. He's a sleaze. But I did not ever think of attacking China. One other thing, I just read a report about a week ago where they said Donald Trump was the only president in decades that didn't start a war. <laughs> Exactly. Mm. Mr.
1: President, in response to you saying that this is treason, uh, General Milley's actions, would you have fired him if you're still president?
2: Well, if I would have thought he's been there a long time, he's been in the military a long time, but I got to know a lot of generals. We have some great generals. You know, I took out ISIS, as you know, uh, al-Baghdadi. I mean, we we did uh, a thing that... Nobody's ever been able to do the leadership and, you know, all the leaders that we're talking about because you wrote about them. We took them out. We took out the ISIS 100 percent of the ISIS caliphate, which is much tougher to do than than uh, Afghanistan. I wanted out of Afghanistan. We had a good agreement. They had to meet a lot of conditions. They wouldn't meet them. And we bombed the hell out of them, and they'd call and say, all right, we'll meet them. And in 18 months, not one American soldier was killed. I had a talk with Abdul, who is now the leader, and I said, if you do anything to our American soldiers or Americans, we're going to hit you harder than any country has ever been hit. And he said, I understand that we didn't have from that call. We didn't have one soldier killed. And when we got out, if we would have gotten out and I would have done it much differently, except that the election was rigged. Okay. It was absolutely rigged and take a look at what's going on right now in California with the mail in ballots and all the crap that they're doing. But if I, when we would have gotten out, the military would have gone last. So the military would have gone after all of the Americans were out, after some others were out. And then I would have taken all of the equipment, 100%, all 85 billion. And I had an expression that I used to use in the Oval Office. I want every bolt. I want every nail. I want every screw. I want every tank and every plane. I want all of it out. Think of it. They didn't even fly the planes out. They could have brought a couple of hundred pilots over. They could have flown the helicopters out. They could have flown the planes. Instead, we're giving them brand-new Apache helicopters, one of the most incredible machines in the world. We're giving them aircraft. We're giving them brand-new planes, uh, hundreds of thousands of of the top-grade machine guns and rifles and goggles, night goggles. These people that did this, and that's Millie and Biden. They're incompetent people. And you know what? I spoke to numerous of the parents of those 13 soldiers that were killed. And I wanna tell you, they know it better than anybody. Their, their children, those beautiful children should be alive today because they were killed by incompetence. Yep.
1: Well, talking about what else the Taliban has, in a Senate hearing today, Anthony Blinken did confirm that the U.S. government gave the Taliban a list of Afghan nationals and U.S. officials and U.S. citizens' names, Mr. President. What should happen to the people who approved giving the Taliban this list?
2: Well, it just shows you how incompetent. Here they are, we're talking about, they've been our, we've been killing them for 20 years and they've been killing us, by the way, and our people, our soldiers and people. But we've been killing them for 20 years and they hand them a list of the Americans in Afghanistan and also other people that were close that they probably didn't even know about. We gave them a list. We gave them the address. We gave them everything. Those people are in serious danger now. It is the dumbest thing. These people are the dumbest people. And Millie made it up. He made this story about me attacking China. Think of it. I'm going to attack China uh, what's the reason exactly other than that they screw us on trade? You don't attack them for that. So what happens, and, and obviously COVID, uh, COVID, what they did to us on COVID is outrageous, but that I was going to attack China in a very vicious way, but he was going to inform them that Uh, when that will take place so they can be prepared. That is a treasonous statement, and I cannot tell you how many people called up about it. That is a disgrace. Mr.
3: President, I want to shift gears. As you know, President Biden has sought to kick off 11 of your appointees to service academies, including my appointment that you gave me to the U.S. Naval Academy. If you ran for president again and won, excluding the statutory boards like the military service academies, Would you kick off every Biden presidential appointee on day one on all of those other presidential commissions?
2: Well, I might because you know what he did is unprecedented as you know that, uh, I mean, we have some incredible, General Keene, We we have great people on those boards and for them to throw them off never happened before. And look, they're vicious people. That's all they're good at. They use prosecutors all over the place. They use local prosecutors, federal prosecutors. And yet Hunter Biden is fine, okay? They do, what they're doing is horrible. They're throwing all of these people off. These are great people, including you, Sean. These are great people. And it's not a long term. It's a three, generally speaking, it's three year terms. And I think it's very disrespectful for our country. It's very disrespectful. So, yeah, I guess I'd have to consider it. You know, he was going to be the great unifier, but he's not a unifier. He's the opposite. He's worse than Obama. Of course, Obama is probably running the government now anyway, according to many.
1: Uh, Ms. Mister, I do want to ask you about this because it came out today that President Obama, Clinton and Bush, they're all teaming up to raise money for Afghan refugees that are coming to the U.S., Is that something that they ask you to be a part of as well and if not would you support
2: it i support america and i just heard that they are giving billions and billions of dollars 10 billion dollars to afghanistan on top of the 85 think of it on top of the 85 billion dollars worth of the best military equipment ever produced anywhere in the world they're giving 10 billion dollars now in aid to afghanistan they're giving, I think I heard, $64 million a day. What about our country? What about our country? Where do we get this kind of money? We, we're going to owe $32 trillion in a very short period of time. And that's a very important number, according to The economists, because when you hit that number, but we're going to be – we owe trillions and trillions of dollars. We're giving money like it's gravy. Now, Afghanistan, surrounded by China and Russia and all these – it's their problem. Why aren't they doing something? They want to give them 10 billion, and I'll tell you why. Because they <laughs> blew it so badly. We w- we were gonna get out with strength, with victory. We were gonna get out with great, we were gonna be so proud of that whole thing. We were, We wouldn't have 13 dead soldiers and many other soldiers badly injured, which by the way, nobody mentions, and 250 people dead from just that one attack. You wouldn't have had anybody dead. And it's such a sad thing when you look at what's gone on over there. So they're going to give them $10 billion because it's a bribe. They want to bribe them into behaving because they've been totally disgraced by their, their withdrawal. A withdrawal like no other. Probably not only in this country, almost like in the world, because nobody's ever paid $85 billion worth of equipment when they left. There's never been a withdrawal like that. And people get killed. That we understand it's horrible and it's incompetence and it should have never happened. But on top of everything else, we gave them the eighty five billion dollars worth of equipment. Now they want to give them ten billion dollars or sixty two to sixty four million dollars a day and You know, I heard President Bush's speech over the weekend, and I said, this is the guy that got us into the quicksand of the Middle East, and he didn't win, because he could have won, and he didn't win. Remember, he got on the, he got on the aircraft carrier, and he made a fool out of himself. President Bush made the single biggest mistake in the history of our country, and that's getting into the quicksand of the Middle East. And then he couldn't finish the job. And now he's lecturing us and saying that al-Qaeda is more of a threat. I mean, think of it, that al-Qaeda, which is a big threat, that al-Qaeda you, you look at and I don't know if you've seen and you've looked at statistics that are people on the right, that are people in many cases that love our country, that they're worse terrorists than Al Qaeda. And then all of the others that we can name 15 different groups, that the people on the right who love our country, they love it. Now, he doesn't mention, it's very interesting, he doesn't mention Antifa. He doesn't mention blm who killed people over the summer you know they killed a lot of people they burned down cities everything else nothing happens to them but they go after the right and it's a disgrace president bush should apologize to the people of our country
3: mr president i know you made a bunch of endorsements today political endorsements obviously that is a big deal in republican primaries when you make that endorsement, there are two big Senate races, Ohio and Missouri, where you haven't made an endorsement. In both cases, there are several what I would call pro Trump Republicans running. Do you they're intend to endorse in either Ohio or Missouri?
2: Yeah, they're all Trump. Uh people. I mean, everybody running in Ohio is very, very pro-Trump. We just won a fantastic race, as you know, for Congress and, uh, you know, of somebody who wasn't that well-known and won by 30 points. And that was two weeks ago. And now uh, I'm going to probably make a decision. But uh, they're all pro-Trump, very pro-Trump. And uh in Missouri, a great place, they're all pro-Trump. That's the good news. Everybody's pro-Trump. That's a lot. We've come a long way, Sean, haven't we? I know. And you know what, if you look at the, and I'm very proud of it, if you look at the endorsements, I'm 148 and two, think of it. 148 victories and two losses and the two losses were the most most pro trump i mean they literally lost to people that were i think they were more pro trump than the people that they that they lost to so it's uh it's been an incredible thing we're 148 and two and there has never been an endorsement like it and that's because the people of our country respect us. They love our country, and they want to see our country succeed. And our country has gone really downhill in the last eight months like nobody's ever seen before. And you go to these elections that are coming up in 22 and 24, we're not going to have a country left. The election was rigged, and we're not going to have a country left in three
3: years. I'll Mr. tell you that. You've been very generous with your time. Thank you. Before I let you go, I just gotta ask this. You said that you've made up your mind about whether you're running again and that your supporters will be very happy about it. When do you plan on letting us know what that decision is? Uh
2: I will probably not comment on that, but I will tell you I think (laughs) you will be very happy, Sean. I think you and a lot of other people that love our country are gonna be very happy. I mean I could make it soon, but you know that gets complicated. But uh, you are going to be extremely happy. And this country is gonna come back again. We are a laughing sock all over the world. What happened in Afghanistan, what's happening at our border where millions of people are coming in. We have no idea who they are. Uh, it's a disgrace what's happening to our country. And now they're gonna rig another election today in uh, California, you watch the results of that one. It's a disgrace what's going on with the mail-in ballots and the voting. Our country is not the same, but we're gonna bring it back. Mr. President, thank you for your time.
3: I appreciate your generosity and uh, look forward to having you back sometime soon. Thank you very
0: much. Better have gotten me them cha-cha heels to match that uh, electric green cha-cha shirt. Okay, so yeah, Sean, of course, he's not going to tell you when he's going to announce his decision. He needs to wait for them to uh, decertify the elections. Hello. Um, Yeah, so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's a real brief, quick interview, uh, briefer than most with President Trump. Uh, Good to hear. Sorry, guys, I'm making noises over here. Uh, Absolutely. In regards to General Milley, uh, treason, treason, treason. Get him court-martialed under treason for as close as you can. And uh, that's kind of the long and short of it in that regard. Um, as far as that goes. Okay, ladies and I hope you guys enjoyed that. So that was a nice and, uh, you know, a, a brief little uh, interview there with President Trump. Now let's jump into today's stories for International Newsday here at the Sea Report. All right, we're going to start with India and then we're going to swiftly move back over to the Western Hemisphere. Um, but uh, this story I thought was pretty important, uh, especially when we're talking about all of the demonization that ivermectin is currently going under um, across the board in all media outlets, uh, whether they be print, online, or in uh, television networks, etc. Um, so, okay, so ivermectin, ladies and gentlemen, of course, has been totally demonized and misrepresented in the media, um, and uh, it, it's uh, it's being uh, it's. It is having a spell cast upon it in order to uh, discourage individuals from seeking it out or even believing that it could possibly be effective in combating COVID, whether as a prophylactic or whether as um, a regimen uh, in, in part uh, to take to uh, uh, heal the body from the process of, uh, of COVID-19. Uh, terrible indeed, ladies and gentlemen, um, that they are lying to these people. And when we get right down to it, ladies and gentlemen, like these people need to be held criminally accountable for the lives lost when they are deterring people from life-saving medicines. Uh, we say life-saving here a little bit tongue in cheek since after all, uh, COVID-19 is not even as uh, deadly as the fleur, You know what I mean? So yeah, so that's kind of what, uh, kind of why I say it like that. But, uh, okay. So, uh, this is actually going to take us, uh, to the country of India, to the uh, state of Uttar Pradesh there in India. Now, if any of you guys have been following any of the news that has been coming out of India in regards to COVID-19 and its mortality rate or lack thereof, uh, you may have heard stories about India being the worst hit population in this world in regards to COVID-19 with, uh, uh, um, uh, I was going to say carcasses, with, with uh, bodies stacking up, uh, high as the eye can see, uh, necessitating, you know, mass graves and funeral, uh, funeral pyres, sorry guys, funeral pyres, uh, that it's, it is uh, beyond horrific. And that no one could ever have expected such a thing to hit such a country so hard—a country that is so populated, and uh, you know has uh, what like no uh, no uh, medicines at all that, You know that's just what they. But then that's just what they say. But then on the other side of it, we are hearing of certain states and regions within India that have actually been using uh, such medications as ivermectin, as hydroxychloroquine, and now we have. A report coming out of Uttar Pradesh, India, that has announced that they are COVID-free in their state because of the effectiveness of ivermectin, otherwise known as horse dewormer. That's right. If you read the Rolling Stone magazine and you depend on Rolling Stone for your news, you might expect to be pooping worms out your tukis if you took ivermectin. But that's not the case, ladies and gentlemen. Ivermectin has been used uh, for a much longer period of time than uh, the mainstream fake news legacy media would have you believe in all of their uh, progenit- progenitors of lies and deceit. Now, in regards to Uttar Pradesh, India, Um, We're talking about a level of COVID cases that are plummeting thanks to their promotion of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine to its massive population. Now, there are 33 districts inside of Uttar Pradesh in India, and all 33 of those districts have become COVID-19 free, okay? Now, the recovery rate... In Uttar Pradesh has increased up to 98.7%, proving the effectiveness of ivermectin as part of their COVID control model. Now, you guys might want to cue into exactly how populated um, Ivar, uh, uh, sorry, Ivar, how populated Uttar Pradesh is. Uttar Pradesh, in their one state, contains two-thirds the population of the United States of America. Yes, that's right. Over 200 million people populate the state of Uttar Pradesh in India. Over 200, nearly 300 million people live in Uttar Pradesh, and yet This state has seen itself shrink its COVID numbers, whether that be deaths, yeah, cases, ah, new cases to basically zero with the use of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. The state of Uttar Pradesh has an estimated 241 million people. Okay, maybe not quite going on 300 million people, but that's definitely a whole bunch of people. Um, It is the highest populated state in the country of India. Again, ladies and gentlemen, almost two thirds the amount of people in the United States of America. Uttar Pradesh is the leading state in India to use ivermectin as early and uh, uh, provincially in all family contacts. And it is one of the five lowest COVID cases of all states in India, despite only having a low vaccination rate. Okay, In the state of Uttar Pradesh, their vaccination rate that is fully vaccinated, the amount of people fully vaccinated in Uttar Pradesh is only 5.8% of their population. Only 5.8% of 240 million people in Uttar Pradesh and they now have basically 0% COVID in their state. Wake up America and wake up the rest of the world. Like seriously, they have nearly as many people as there are in the United States of America and with only 5% of their population fully vaccinated, they have nearly 0%. What happened to the arguments that uh, the unvaccinated are the ones who are a true danger? The ones who are unvaccinated are the ones that uh, are spreading the Delta variant. The vaccinated ones need to be protected. Uttar Pradesh tells us a different story here, ladies and gentlemen, mama, because absolutely, absolutely. With 5% of 241 million people vaccinated, and yet there's nearly 0% COVID-19 in this region of India, it makes absolutely no sense that uh, unvaccinated people are causing this harm. Or, or could it be possibly that they're using ivermectin? Either way, the globalist deep state, WHO, NIH, and Fauci lose... In this case, ladies and gentlemen, they lose in this case because a hundred percent whether it's going to be, uh, well, you know, it wouldn't be the vaccine. We know it's not the vac- We know it's not the vaccinations that are protecting people. We know that the vaccinations are still causing breakthrough cases. We know, or at least I know intuitively that these vaccines are the ones that are causing the Delta variant, the Mu variant, the Lambda variant, the Zeta variant, and on and on and on. All these variants are coming out of the COVID factory humans that took the gene therapy sessions known as the mRNA vaccine COVID-19. It's their fault. Anyone who took those gene therapy sessions are the ones who are creating the Delta, Mu, Lambda, Vega, Zeta variant, whatever you want to call them. They're there because of those people who took that damn vaccine. That's not a vaccine. It's a gene therapy session. mRNA, messenger RNA, causes your body to create Instructions on how to make COVID in your body. Oh, and did we fail to mention it leaves like about 33? blank spots in that chain for you to fill in with booster shots. No telling what your body's going to be making by the time you're on your fifth or sixth booster. You know, that's what they're trying to do. You know, if they didn't have to speed up their timeline because president Trump made vaccines happen in five or six months versus five years, we would have been having booster shots. We probably, we probably would have had three or four booster shots per year, one per season, one per quarter up until 2025. When, uh, you know, uh, Pfizer and Moderna finally decided to produce vaccines for Americans. And of course, by then the depopulation scheme that these globalists have been trying to run for decades would have been completed and there would have been what? How many fewer people in this planet for them to contend with? So then they they can go, you know, age of the robots on the rest of the humans that exist. And then all of us who are still here, who didn't take the vaccine, would have been killed by the Terminators and Skynet. And there you go. They get their uh, what? What? Two percent populated world that they wanted to begin with. And then they're going to go over to Mars. Yeah, we're not going to let that happen here, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to stop that before it happens, because at least uh, at least some of us are awake enough to know what's going on here, right? And uh, India is taking ivermectin. Take a lesson, uh, world. Take a lesson, America. Uttar Pradesh, all right. Two hundred and forty-one million people, five percent vaccinated, zero percent COVID. Just about, okay. Now, uh, just so you guys can have a little bit of a background on when Uttar Pradesh began its uh, entire use of ivermectin. We have a report from the Indian Express that says, Uttar Pradesh was the first state in the country to introduce large-scale prophylactic and therapeutic use of ivermectin. In May through June of 2020, a team of AGRA led by Dr. Anshul Parikh administered ivermectin to all RRT team members in the district of an experimental ba- on an experimental basis. It observed that none of them developed COVID-19 despite being in a daily contact with patients who had tested positive for the virus. Um, and uh, let's see here. Um, the uh, surveillance officer for the state of Uttar Pradesh Uh, uh, An individual by the name of Vixendu Agrawal um, also said that the findings from Agra showed the state government sanctioned the use of ivermectin as a prophylactic for all contacts of COVID-19 patients and later cleared the administration of therapeutic doses for the treatment of such patients. Uh, They claimed at the time that they claimed that the timely introduction of ivermectin since the first wave of COVID-19 helped the state to maintain a relatively low positivity rate, despite its high population density. Uttar Pradesh is nowhere near the size of America, ladies and gentlemen. It's small. It's a small little state and it's almost as populated as our country. And yet, With everyone standing shoulder to shoulder and, uh, you know, nose to chin, they still managed to have a 0% COVID-19 positivity rate. Okay. Um, They said, despite being the state with the largest population base and a high population density, we have maintained a relatively low positivity rate and cases per million of population. Uh, They went on to say that apart from aggressive contact tracing and surveillance, the lower positivity and fatality rates may be attributed to the large-scale use of ivermectin in the state, adding that the drug has recently been introduced in the national protocol for COVID-19 treatment and management. Once the second wave subsides they would conduct their own study as there has been an emergent, uh, an emerging body of evidence to substantiate their timely use of ivermectin from the first wave itself. Now, both Uttar Pradesh and Delhi have seen an incredible drop in COVID-19 cases because they use ivermectin, and they used it early, and they use it preventatively. Now, there is another state by the name of Kerala, okay? Now, the state of Kerala is a tiny state in India, located in the southern portion of the country, and uh, that state, Kerala, is over-dependent on vaccines. Now, there is a stark contrast between Kerala and Uttar Pradesh and Delhi in regards to the amount of COVID cases, now, like I said, Kerala is over dependent on vaccines, and they are far less dependent on ivermectin. And they have, in fact, been in, uh, they have been reporting a very significant increase in COVID nineteen cases. Less populated, highly vaccinated population has more cases of COVID-19 than a highly populated, less vaccinated state, all because of the difference in the usage of ivermectin. Very, very interesting, guys. Now, Kerala, the state of Kerala, reported in regards to their COVID-19 cases that while Kerala included ivermectin in their state's guidelines in April they restricted the use of ivermectin to only class b covid cases which are severe cases or those associated with disease meaning that uh, they're waiting to give you life-saving medicine until you're basically at death's door and that would make uh, that would make the use of ivermectin much less than if mild cases were allowed in the state of Kerala Uh, This also meant that uh, ivermectin was reserved as a late treatment if used at all. Kerala, Kerala, looks like you learned a little bit too late. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, to make matters worse for the citizens of Kerala, the state of Kerala abandoned the use of ivermectin altogether on August 5th, 2021, well before the Delta variant or the second wave struck. So let this be a lesson, ladies and gentlemen, to everyone watching and everyone observing for this story. Go, uh, go, duck, duck, go search the story of uh, um, 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 uh, this state in India, otherwise known as, of course, Uttar Pradesh and Ivermectin. Find the story, put it on your social medias, tell your friends, clip out this portion of the C Report, let them know. That indeed, ivermectin is highly effective when used preventatively as a therapeutic or even in uh, later cases. We should not allow the media to continue to lie to us about the use and effectiveness of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Indeed, we know it. Some of our friends out there in the chat and beyond have uh, themselves um, um, obtained this type of medicine against COVID-19. So uh, that in itself says a lot, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, that's what uh, we had to share in regards to India today at the head of the international report for the Sea Report. Uh, thank you, Sean Joe, for gifting the cookie. I appreciate you, sir. Ohio Kimmy also for gifting the cookie, as well as uh, Sean Joe and Sean Joe for gifting the cookie in triplicate. Much appreciated, my friend. And uh, thank you so much. Um, For those of you on Clout Hub or on Twitch, uh, those gifts, um, they act in part as DLive, just a way to support uh, your favorite or those whom you like as content creators. Good stuff, though. Good stuff in regards to this ivermectin story. Uh, It's need to know most definitely. Now, let's head on over to the Western Hemisphere and to Brazil. Let's talk a little bit about Brazil. We're going to update you guys on some of the goings on over there in Brazil. Now, keeping in mind that uh, the uh, country of Brazil basically has uh, their version of President Trump in office currently, and uh, he is under no less um, opposition than President Trump was here when he was, uh, optically speaking, the president of the United States of America. Now, uh, President Jair or Jair Bolsonaro is the president of Brazil and has been coming under a lot of opposition since the jump. In fact, they almost uh, there was an assassination attempt on his life during his campaign for presidency. But nonetheless, uh, President Bolsonaro rose through the ranks. I guess enough people voted for him as they did for President Trump here in the United States, and. Those comparisons, on my part, are not even, uh, not even, um, not even. Uh, what do you call it? They're not. They're not. Uh, they're not um, lessened any by the comparisons that the uh, legacy mainstream fake news propaganda international outlets are pumping out. Indeed, as much pride as I take in comparing President Bolsonaro of Brazil to President Trump of the United States of America. Uh, the uh, the news outlets of the world take a lot of uh, take a lot of joy in the same comparison because they are using that comparison of President Trump to President Bolsonaro in Brazil to uh, bring him down, to diminish him, to insult him, to create a sense or a case against him. Indeed, the mainstream fake news, lamestream legacy media of the world does not want President Bolsonaro in charge of Brazil as the world's fourth largest democracy, as they like to point out in their uh, reports and stories. uh, President Bolsonaro is a threat to democracy, believe it or not, because he is a conservative president who believes in the rights of the people and a limited government, as well as their ability to protect themselves through a second amendment of sorts, the uh, communist uh, ra- uh, magazines and journal outlets of the world and news agencies want him gone okay and he has opposition not only from the federal court of the United uh, of the United States of the um, country of Brazil which would be the Brazilian Supreme Court not only from the legislature of Brazil which also would be uh, you know the um the house and senate of Brazil All of them bought out communist, socialist, progressive, liberal, they don't want Bolsonaro there. They don't want Bolsonaro there. They want him gone. Not only is the uh, federal judiciary, as well as the federal house of Brazil, staunchly opposed to Bolsonaro, Believe it or not, so is the uh, big tech and media. Oh, you guys know it. You guys believe it. I know you guys know it. Uh, We had reports that we shared of YouTube and Facebook censoring and uh, removing content from President Bolsonaro himself, as well as those who support him. But before we get into that, I have to share this with you guys. Now, everything that I just said is crystallized in this video here. Uh, now, this video I'm about to share with you guys was actually shared with me from one uh, Empress Bish to you, and I thank her very much for sh- sending this over. This, ladies and gentlemen, is from a Brazilian resident, and this video gives you a 100% in their own words an example of what I just described about what Brazil is facing. In fact... This says it better than I just said, okay? So, um, I implore you all, uh, to, uh, give heed and listen to what this man has to say, um, about what Brazilians are facing. And again, as always, I think you all will, um, will understand and appreciate, I thought you wouldn't. But uh, the people of Brazil are going through exactly what we're going through here in America. But uh, again, at least their president is still in office, optically speaking. Let's hear what he has to say. Um, I, was really, uh, I was really blown away when I, I uh, listened to this. And uh, I was like, you know, dang. These people are going through exactly what we're going through. Um, but they still have a chance to beat the fraud of elections that took place in part, and similarly speaking to what we went through here in America. Here
4: is a resident of Brazil. If you cherish freedom of speech, democracy, individual rights, and our Western civilization, I urge you to watch this video. My name is Gustavo Gaia, I am a Brazilian citizen. I have a school here in my city. I am a teacher, have been a teacher for 21 years. There's nothing great about me except for the fact that right now I live in a country in which opinion is a crime. A country that is losing its freedom of speech. And I'll explain to you in a few minutes what's happening because the press is helping this dictatorship here. For the last decades, our country has had been run by corrupt politicians. The worst of them was President Lula. And these corrupt presidents who destroyed our country for the last 40 years chose 10 of the 11 uh, Supreme Court justices in our country. So 10 of them were chosen by criminals. And believe it or not, most of these justices had never been judges before. They used to be lawyers for criminals, defending criminals and criminal organizations. And now they sit in a chair that was created to protect the Constitution. And in our Constitution, we, have, we were supposed to have freedom of speech, individual rights, but they have not been respected for a long time now. Here in Brazil, we have journalists being arrested for opinion. We have a congressman, a federal congressman, who is arrested now, who is in prison for the crime of opinion. We have a president of a party, an 80-year-old man arrested for the crime of opinion. We have ministers of our Supreme Court, our justices, who are censoring and silencing everyone in the social media who defend the government and are against this dictatorship of the Supreme Court. We are losing our freedom. And the press is celebrating all of this. We don't know what to do anymore. So right now, on September 7th, a week from now, which is our Independence Day, millions and millions of Brazilians will go to the streets to plead, to beg for this Supreme Court justice to respect our constitution. We don't want dictatorship. We don't want we, we don't want to disrespect the institutions. We just want to be respected. But the problem is that since Bolsonaro was elected, there is a system here in Brazil who will not accept an honest person in the presidency. And they are trying to do everything they can to destroy this government, even if it means destroying our liberties, destroying our rights. Persecuting people, innocent people, for the crime of opinion. And to make matters worse, these justices that I just mentioned, they created something that it's the same as the Ministry of Truth. If you ever if you ever read George Orwell, nineteen eighty-four. And this entity will now determine what is truth and what it's not. So there is no longer truth now or in Brazil. And if you speak your mind here, you can go to prison. And I'm not exaggerating. I beg the world to really investigate and look up what's happening in Brazil. Because we are desperate. We are desperate because the press here is celebrating this since they hate President Bolsonaro. So they are rooting. They are doing everything they can to accelerate the dictatorship process. The worst dictatorship is the judiciary. Because what can we do against it? We just want to be free. We just want to be able to speak our minds. We just want to have our rights and liberties respected. (laughs) Rights and liberties that are written in the Constitution, but have been disrespected for those who were supposed to protect it. Please, share this video with everyone you can. September 7th, we will have in Brazil the biggest parade in the history of the world, just in São Paulo. We are expecting more than 3 million people in Brasília, 2 million people, regular people, fathers, mothers, businessmen, workers, who just want to live in a free country. But we see that if we don't do anything, we will become a dictatorship of the supreme justice. And remember, these justices, they were chosen by corrupt presidents, and most of them had never been judges before. They used to be lawyers for criminals and criminal organizations. And right now they are determining everything in my country. I love my country and everybody who will be on the streets on September 7th also loves this country. We love freedom. We just want to live in a free country. But right now, even saying that, even shooting this video right now, I can be arrested for doing so. This is what the situation has become in Brazil. Please share this
0: with everyone you can. If- All right. So there you go. He said it a thousand times better than I could ever have said it and really totally crystallized their situation. Does that not sound similar to what we are seeing here or have seen past tense in the United States of America when we had President Trump in office? Like I said, Bolsonaro is the brazilian um rendition of president trump you know now um uh, uh, to be clear on all of that uh, and uh, thank you belushi for gifting that cookie says you talking about my people um at first i was like uh, the world is our people belushi and then, and then he uh, clarified that his father is born in brazil so very cool direct link there uh speaking easy for gifting the cookie um, yeah, as, as uh, to be clear, as we've said now, President Bolsonaro is a conservative leader. He is in the executive. They have a corrupt judiciary and they have a corrupt legislature. Um, so um, that's your, your legislative branch and your judiciary branch. OK, um, now these people have been fighting him tooth and nail since he got into office. They have uh, stopped him from enacting, uh, you know, laws and legislation. One of them we'll talk about here in just a minute. That's the most recent. And the people, that's why he said, he said, we risk going under a dictatorial judiciary because they are the ones who are pulling the punches. They are the ones who are not only standing in the way of a conservative leader who is trying to make it free for the people of Brazil, but they are also controlling them. And and in that way, also the media and the police force and all the other stuff. In fact, the media is as bad in Brazil as they are here in America. Okay, We're talking like they have their CNN, they have their Fox, they have all of that stuff that is all controlled opposition down in Brazil just the same. Now, of course, there are a bunch of independents rising out of that as well, who actually are speaking for the people of Brazil and who are in support. But what's interesting to note here is like uh, like Gustavo said, you know, all of the uh, all of the people in the Brazilian Supreme Court are um, judges who were elected by previous dictators and communist sympathizers, uh, people who were controlling the people of Brazil and keeping them down. Um, we'll talk about one of those, uh, judges in a little bit. Um, but like he said, uh, they are the ones who are controlling them. They risk going under a dictatorship. And, um, the, uh, previous president of Brazil, who was also a dictator, his name was, uh, president Lula, um, he is also running for, um, reelection against Bolsonaro, And what the media and the polls are saying out there fervently right now, as of today, is that Bolsonaro is points behind Lula and they're looking to reinstate Lula as the president of Brazil. Okay, very, very important. And yes, Two Rivers, CNN is in other parts of the world. Like I said earlier, when I was looking uh, for video on Bolsonaro and what's going on in Brazil right now, everything that popped up was CNN Brazil, I don't understand Portuguese and I'm not sure that most of my audience does either. So I refrained from sharing those videos, uh, but it seems like there's a lot more going on down there than meets the eye, or at least then what is being reported to us internationally speaking. Now, um, Bolsonaro, who has uh, been censored and had uh, content removed by um, such um, platforms as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, hmm, sound familiar, right? Um, uh, This happened to him um, a a month or more ago, uh, multiple times. So um, he recently had passed or he had signed an order, a decree, if you will, Uh, that would strip social media firms from their power to remove content. Now, this is what uh, Bolsonaro signed, basically, an executive order, a decree. Now, under the order, um, 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 platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube um, would have to wait until a court order was issued before they could suspend any account or remove any content. But uh, of course, there are exceptions to that rule, as there should be, uh, which would be in the case of like uh, you know, um, pornography, or or uh, in their case, it also incu- it included drug use and violence. Here, death threats and stuff like that, right? In America, now uh, again, they uh, President Bolsonaro made this decree after the social media platforms repeatedly removed his content as well as the content of his supporters. Um, And uh, so he was trying to get this um, enacted in his country. Uh, The Brazilian president said that the new regulations would help protect freedom of speech, um, but waiting for a court order to remove certain content is unimaginable according to his opponents. Now, um, uh, again, this is something that uh, you get the primary example of how the uh, judiciary is in opposition to Bolsonaro and also the legislative, uh, because we have Brazilian Senate leaders who actually killed this decree. Now, uh, President Bolsonaro decreed this about a week to two weeks ago. As of today... The Brazilian Senate killed this decree um, and uh, noting that it was criticized by these tech firms. Now, Brazilian Senate leader Rodrigo Pacheco um, said that he would not consider President Bolsonaro's decree limiting the social network powers to remove content. And that basically killed the measure that had been met with wide, widespread opposition from said platforms. Uh, Pacheco said Bolsonaro's temporary measure, which required congressional approval to become law, did not comply with regulatory requirements and introduced considerable legal uncertainty. Um, Brazil's federal judiciary, which is also probing fake news in the country, has been trying to weed out online outfits that critics accuse of spreading misinformation forcing major tech players such as Google and YouTube to act. Bolsonaro signed the decree changing the internet regulations to combat arbitrary removal of accounts, profiles, and content ahead of a major political rally, which happened uh, what uh, on the 7th. Now, um, again, this decree aimed at protecting freedom of speech, and the president's office had said that, but it generated significant pushback Uh, The decision for the Senate to not support President Bolsonaro's decree is another setback that he faces. But again, that is not the only opposition that President Bolsonaro is facing. We have a non-governmental organization, otherwise known as Human Rights Watch, who is definitely paying attention to President Bolsonaro in the wake of these massive protest rallies that came out in support of President Bolsonaro last week, okay? And we, we, uh, we uh, talked about this last week, guys, but they were massive rallies, okay? Massive rallies, keeping in mind that the media, the politicians, and the pollsters of Brazil are saying that Bolsonaro has no support, he's down in the polls, and that Lula will win, likely, as president. And all Bolsonaro wants is for his people to have the right to defend themselves via a type of Second Amendment, the ability to audit an, uh, an election via having printed receipt ballots, and also the ability to question the integrity of an election via audits if necessary. Now, these are the three main things that he's calling for uh, uh, on top of a whole bunch of other things, yes, but these are the things that have really pissed off the judiciary and the legislative branches of the Brazilian government. This is what our Brazilian version of Trump is going through, keeping in mind that all of the articles that I pulled these stories from are all anti-Bolsonaro, they call him a right-wing extremist. They call him they call him a, a right-wing nut job. Far right is another term. But now we have the Human Rights Watch. They also call him a dictator, and the Human Rights Watch uh, does not uh, does not stand back from also sharing that type of verbiage in describing the current president of Brazil. Now, Human Rights Watch has said that uh, President Bolsonaro is threatening democratic rule with his attacks on Brazil's Supreme Court and their electoral system, right? The two things that are the most corrupt in the United States of America. Go figure we would have a mirror in Brazil. And God bless, by his grace, we have a mirror of a president over there who's trying to fight the establishment and and basically fight for the human rights, the civil rights, and the rights of his people. But uh, much to the chagrin of the human rights watch down there in Brazil, they seem to think that uh, this Independence Day rally that President Bolsonaro um, uh, held On September 7th, 2021 was none other than a far right warning against the Supreme Court that offered uh, to say that uh, they will not, uh, they will not stand down and they will do as they please, therefore making Bolsonaro a dictator. Okay. Now keep in mind that the Supreme Court did issue an investigation into Bolsonaro. Um, for saying it would suffer consequences unless it backed off. Now that is to say, Bolsonaro did say that only God would remove him from his office and that he would no longer listen or adhere to the advisements of one of the justices in particular, who serves on that Supreme court. Um, they also attacked the Human Rights Watch. Also attacked Bolsonaro uh, because um, he is uh, threatening threatening the democratic rule by challenging their electoral process. Okay, they said he is pursuing campaigns to intimidate the Supreme Court, signaling that he may attempt to cancel the 2022 presidential election or otherwise deny Brazilians their right to elect their leaders and violate their critics' freedom of expression. Now, Bolsonaro did give a speech this uh, previous Tuesday, not this past Tuesday, but the one before. Um, and uh, in his speech, they said they were part of a pattern of action and statements that appear designed to undermine fundamental rights, democratic institutions, and the rule of law in Brazil. Never mind that having a fraudulent election is exactly the same thing that uh, they are claiming President Bolsonaro is doing in his statements. Now, two days after his vehement criticism of Brazil's federal institution in front of thousands of supporters in Sao Paulo, the president sought to back off insisting his jabs at the government, not COVID-19 jabs, had been made in the heat of the moment. So um, I guess you could say he's trying to backtrack But I wouldn't say that is necessarily the case because he did not backtrack from his unproven claim that Brazil's electoral system is unreliable, which is a statement made by the Human Rights Watch, not myself. Now, again, Human Rights Watch, the judiciary, the legislative branches of Brazil, as well as the press, the media and pollsters all around are saying that Bolsonaro has lost his popularity and that it is at an all time low, and that he's merely trying to fire up his base in the face of a flagging economy, soaring unemployment and inflation, and a series of investigations that are targeted at him and his inner circle. Again, these pollsters are saying he is way down in the numbers compared to his competitor, Lula. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to know if, in your opinion, based on the current images, if you believe he is down in the polls, do you think the media is lying? Or do you think the people of Brazil were paid to be in attendance of these rallies that took place last week on September 7th? I don't know about you guys, but that does not look like he has no support to me. There are more people in this image here than the eye can see. Again, these are from the rallies that support President Bolsonaro in Brazil. As far as the eye can see, there are more. These are from Rio de Janeiro, Brasilia and Sao Paulo in Brazil, because those were the the three main cities he held his rallies in. But people were in support of President Bolsonaro on September 7th and they were striking out against the dictatorial communist judiciary, the Supreme Court in Brazil. But the polls are saying Bolsonaro has no support. And his numbers are dwindling. This is one day in Brazil, ladies and gentlemen. One day in Brazil. The numbers are massive. I know Brazil is a huge country. But come on, guys. Look at all of that. And there are some shots I could not even get that I wanted to share with you guys. Okay, that's Brazil's Supreme Court right there. Belushi, thank you for uh, gifting the phone. Uh, says, I appreciate this very much, sir. Indeed, guy. Like, this is, uh, this is another, another hope for uh, liberty and freedom and humanity in this world. <laughs> um, so uh, let, let's see what we got from uh, the Supreme Court before we wrap up Brazil. Now, um, Brazil's electoral court or the Supreme Court, the federal Supreme Court, the federal electoral court, I guess is what they're called officially. Um, They are going to probe Bolsonaro, right? For these rallies, okay? All the rallies, all the pictures I just showed you, because they don't believe that this was real. They think that was astroturf, okay? They think all of those people showing up during uh, during a pandemic, when they have massive inflation, and uh, COVID is killing everybody, somehow Bolsonaro managed to pay them to turn out. That's what they're saying, okay? So it says here that uh, Brazil's federal electoral court is set to probe the fundings, fundings of last week's rallies in support of President Bolsonaro, as well as alleged election campaigning outside of the allotted legal time frame. So again, these guys are totally against President Bolsonaro. Uh, the TSE or the Federal Brazilian Supreme Court, uh, their probe is being led by the Inspector General of the Electoral Justice, known as Luis Felipe Salom- Salomeo. Now, Luis Felipe Salomeo is the man that uh, President Bolsonaro said we're not going to listen to him anymore. We're not even gonna. We're not even gonna. Whatever he says does not matter. Basically, and it's really pissing them off. So um, um, he says that uh, President Bolsonaro was not authorized to speak publicly because apparently in Brazil, they also have free speech zones. (laughs) I mean, come on, whatever. The investigation aims to find out who paid the expenses for protesters from across Brazil to attend these rallies. What were they promised? How were they bribed, right? Uh, The probe comes at a difficult time for Bolsonaro, He and his supporters are angry at federal courts, which they accuse of intimidating the president and his supporters in their investigations of allegedly being anti-democratic. Bolsonaro also, again, questions the validity of next year's elections, citing unfounded cases of fraud, according to the article that this came from. But, uh, you know, they, they came out in masses. Obviously, that was September 7th where we had the people of Brazil rising up for their conservative president. We also had another case of protest. This coming from the trucking force of Brazil. That's right. Brazilian truckers also held a protest in support of President Bolsonaro. Now, we've heard a lot of cases of truckers going into protest, right? Right. It kind of started in Australia this year. We had Australian truckers, um, you know, protesting against their overreaching government. Uh, It trickled over here to the United States. Um, The story on the United States, though, is it flopped major. Um, Only two truckers showed up, guys, according to the stories that I read um, for the trucker protest in America. Uh, Such was not the case in Brazil. Commercial truckers in Brazil blocked highways in at least 16 different states for the second day straight as part of a demonstration supporting President Bolsonaro in his battle against the country's judiciary and federal election authorities. Um, Brazil's federal highway police reported 53 blockades by commercial truckers on federal roads the road blockages delayed or stopped traffic in many areas and threatened to affect grain shipments to ports in other locales, prompting President Bolsonaro to ask the truckers participating in this demonstration to stand down. Talk about effectiveness! Um, it's a little, it's a little anti-productive when the president you're supporting is still in office. But I think they made their point. You know what I mean? Like, I think they made their point. Um, according to, uh, let's see here. Oh, oh. according to uh, some, uh, some uh, um, uh, sources, uh, President Bolsonaro said in a message, an audio message to truckers via the messaging app WhatsApp, uh, speaking to the truckers out there who are our allies, these blockades hurt our economy. They cause supply shortages, inflation, and hurt everyone, especially the poorest. And again, he asked the truckers to stand down. So what a president, man. I mean, that's making a statement, ladies and gentlemen. That is definitely making a statement uh, when we're talking about that. And yeah, Brazilians turn out, ladies and gentlemen. They turn out in mass. Like that's that was I would say easily millions of Brazilians, millions of Brazilians that showed up on September seventh. Um, a lot of which they uh, they 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 try some some uh, some news sources try to spin that as opposition to uh, President um, President uh, Bolsonaro, but it's not. It is not. So uh, indeed, that's a little bit of an update on what's going on in Brazil, ladies and gentlemen. We need to stand behind. President Bolsonaro and his efforts, um, as he is probably the only conservative president in the world right now who is fighting the establishment actively, okay? He's probably the only one who's not like a Middle East terrorist who's fighting the establishment or a communist who's fighting the establishment while still working with the establishment like this guy is an outsider in the world right now, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we need to lend him our support and our prayers and keep them top of mind, because right now Brazil has a better chance than anyone else, optically speaking, compared to the United States at securing their liberty and their freedom and, uh, you know, growing their country. All right, let's hop over to Mexico. It's already, what, almost that time. Now, uh, let, let's see what is going on in Mexico. Uh, apparently, Mexico is a wish-washy, you know, like flip-flopper. I mean, like I said at the beginning of today's show, you can't trust a Mexican. Ah, okay. That's okay, guys. I have, I have I have Mexican in me, so I can say that. It's not racist. It's uh, I speak from experience. Um, okay, so uh, Mexico. Mexico. All right. Um, uh, President Obrador um, was a most definite ally of President Trump when President Trump was in office and therefore an ally of America. Um, In part, mostly, I think, because of a mutual respect. That is to say, President Trump did not look down his nose at him, did not uh, treat him um, untowardly as far as uh, legislation and uh, foreign policy, right? But come a weak president, come a weak president installed, um, who has no backbone, has no idea what he's doing, has no sense of foreign, foreign policy that he can speak of for himself, has made an idiot of himself, has made uh, humiliated the country, and has proven himself to be super weak on the world stage. Well, then them sneaky Mexicans from down under are going to try and get one up on you. That's right. If, if a Mexican senses you're weak, they're definitely going to try and get one on you. They're going to be like, oh, he's weak. Andale. You know, let's get him. Let, let's show them, right? I mean, because uh, it's it's all about climbing up the ladder with Mexicans. I don't know what's up with that, anyways. I'm in San Antonio. I'm living it every day. So, as I was saying with Mexico, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not trying to be uh, <laughs> discriminatory, but I love Mexico. I've been there several times, not just the border towns. I'm talking like deep in for weeks at a time. It's beautiful country, beautiful people. But President Obrador is just really kind of uh, showing, you know, uh, what the moxie is over there. Um, Yes, President Obrador is an avowed socialist. So one would wonder how Trump and Obrador seem to uh, meet on a friendly wavelength. And and again, I would say it's because... uh, you kill a family of Mormons down over there, just across the border. Yeah, that's right. You guys remember that story? There was a, it was like a a, a caravan of Mormons, like like what, ten to sixteen of them, just across the border in Coahuila Kau- or Ta- Tamaulipos or something like that. One of those states, Mueva Leon. They were just across across the border in Chihuahua. They were just across the border when the cartel killed them, kids included, right? Now, President Trump had the option of sending down the military to take out Las Zetas or or to take out, you know, whatever cartel is over there, Um, the Samoa, Samoan, Samoa, Samoa, whatever, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Those cartels, the Zetas, Similo, sorry, the Samoans, the Similo, Samoa. Sorry, guys, not the Samoan cartel in Mexico, obviously, but you guys hear what I'm saying. Sinaloa, not Samoa, Sinaloa cartel, Las Zetas, and uh, there's a few others. Um, Los Tigres del Norte. Oh, my bad. That was uh, that was a, a, a Cajunto band from back in the day. But anyways, so uh, President Trump had the option to go over there and just, you know, bomb the hell out of those cartels. But out of respect for uh, President Obrador, who requested that he does not, that said, hey, President Trump, why don't you let the Mexican government take care of our own uh, matters? You know, and President Trump respected that. And I think that was probably the defining moment where Obrador decided to go ahead and walk step and step with President Trump. Okay, but we don't got President Trump no more. We don't have a president that they respect. The world respects. We don't have a president that the world takes seriously. We don't have a president that the world fears. And so now, uh, Mexico being the opportunists that they are, are just poo pooing all over, you know, America and President Biden. And, you know, they're pressuring, they're pressuring Biden. They're like, huh, border crossings, do something about it, Biden. That's what they're telling him right now. We're not talking about that story today, but they're telling him that. They're like, you need to do something, Biden, about these border crossings. And they're not crossing into Mexico, (laughs) okay? Um, But that's how much of a lack of respect that they have for our country right now. They've done a total 180 on their policies with America thanks to illegitimate joke Biden, right? Okay, well, let's talk about what else is going on in Mexico. You, 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 you want to add a little bit of salt in that wound, Mexico? Apparently, the Mexican Supreme Court ruled just this past Tuesday, which would have been yesterday, that it is unconstitutional to punish abortion, unanimously annulling several provisions of a law from the state of Kaula, which is a state on the border of. Texas. Okay. They're like, oh, Texas, you want to make abortion uh, unconstitutional? You want to make abortion against the law? Well, we down here just across the border in the state of Coahuila, we're going to make it legal. Okay. So it is no longer a criminal act in the state of Mexico, Coahuila. Now this has an overreaching precedence for the rest of the country. Keep that in mind. Okay. So, Now, because of what they ruled in the state of Coahuila in Mexico, just across the border of Texas, the decision will immediately go into effect for this northern border state, but it establishes an historic president and an obligatory criteria for all of the country's judges to be compelled to act in the same way. Now, there are only four states in the country of Mexico that do not allow abortion in most circumstances. That would be Mexico City, Osaka, Veracruz, and Hidalgo. Now, the other 28 states um, penalize abortion with some exceptions. Now, I misstated that. Those four states allow abortions in most instances. Mexico City, Osaka, Veracruz, and Hidalgo. All the other 28 states penalize under circumstances. Now, Lawyer and activist by the name of Veronica Cruz, who is the director of a collective called Las Libres, or The Free, feminine, plural, um, said that the decision by the Mexican Supreme Court tears down barriers by sending the message that women cannot be charged for abortions. There are currently no women imprisoned for abortions in Mexico, but there are 4,600 open investigations for it. Um, and that was uh, from uh, Cruz, whose organization freed the last women who had been in prison for abortion. Uh, Cruz believes the feminist movement will have to maintain pressure on state legislatures to change their laws, because as long as they exist, someone will be trying to punish women. Now, in saying that, what this uh, abortion activist is saying is that even though the Supreme Court makes a ruling, It does not count for all states in total at once, kind of like it does here in America. Supreme Court says one thing, it kind of becomes the law of the land, right? Well, in Mexico, the Supreme Court can make a ruling for a state, but in order for all the other states to follow suit, it takes activism and uh, legislative work. So what they're planning to do, Las Libres, is to strike out at all 28 states to get all of those states to fall in line with Coahuila based on what the Supreme Court of Mexico has said. So keep in mind, Mexico is a heavily Roman Catholic country. The church was a powerful institution by which in colonial times, and after Mexico's independence. Keep in mind, guys, tomorrow is Mexican Independence Day, El Dia del Grito, amongst other things that we'll be celebrating tomorrow. All right, okay, anyways. Okay, so um, um, there was a reformation in the mid 19th century in Mexico um, that sharply limited the role of the church's um, rule in their daily life. Because I mean, immediately the first thing that we're saying here is Mexico is a uh, Catholic. How on earth is the Supreme Court going to rule that they can have abortions and it's a-okay, ah, right? How does it happen? Well, that is a bit of the history of it is about uh, the mid 19th century. That's where we saw a sharp decline in the church's role in Mexicans daily life. Um, there was an anti-clerical effort at that time that led to bloodshed, which specifically occurred during the Cristero Rebellion between 1926 and 1929. Now, the current president of uh, Mexico, President Obrador, President Andrés Manuel López Obrador, which is also known as President AMLO has said in regards to this ruling by the Supreme Court that uh, Mexico should respect the Supreme Court's ruling on abortion and that it is only up for the court to decide how Mexicans should regard abortion. Okay, so President Obrador Complete socialist, absolutely. Um, uh, is not really moving in the direction that we want him to move. Not quite happy with that. Yes, it was a caravan of Mormons, uh, Mr. Two Rivers. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, pra- WC Cranop, thank you for gifting the ship, sir. I appreciate that. He says, I'm friggin' pissed about cheating in California. Not surprised, but pissed nonetheless. Sir? Yes, sir. I agree with that 100%. Um, like I said earlier, though, friend, hopefully that will light the pathways to their fraud and we can turn that around. Uh, but we will see where that goes from there. Um, talking about that in that regards. But uh, welcome into the C-Chat, sir. It's good to see you. Um let's see uh let's see uh, another offense in my oh <laughs> uh we'll pass this over. I, I think I went on long enough about abortion in Mexico. We don't need to go there. Um now this here pictured is uh President Obrador of Mexico, along with uh, President Miguel Diaz Canal Bermudez of yes folks, Cuba. Now another in my opinion, another high offense of President Obrador of Mexico is this man has the audacity to host and invite as a guest of the country, the president of Cuba on my birthday. I won't be going to Mexico anytime soon. I could say that for sure. Anyhow, uh, President Obrador of Mexico has confirmed that he is inviting the communist dictator president of Cuba, Miguel Diaz Canal Bermudez, to attend a ceremony on the 200th anniversary of Mexico's national independence. Okay, tomorrow's their independence day. Yeah, I know, what a day to be born on. In in response to a question about, about it at his morning press conference at the National Palace, uh, the Mexican president said that the Cuban. El de septiembre, el día del grito, and also that the United States president, clown in chief, Joe Biden, will be a guest on September 27th, which incidentally is the anniversary's independence in 1821. So I don't know, Mexico seems to have several independence days here. Uh, Like I said, if you can't trust a Mexican, you can trust them to milk something. Okay. So apparently this is, this is how it breaks down. Um, um, They commemorate their national, uh, they commemorate their independence day um, on, uh, uh, they celebrate their 700 years of independence and founding of Mexico Teotinoclican, Tio, 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 <laughs> sorry, Teonochlan, right, whatever, 700 years. They celebrate that as an Independence Day. Uh, they celebrate their independence from Spanish rule, which is at 500 years. Uh, they celebrate their independence with the cry of Dolores from priest Miguel Hidalgo on uh, September 15th, 16th, 1810, which is 200 years. Make up your minds, Mexico, who are you celebrating Independence Day from? We're not celebrating Independence Day from the War of 1812, are we? Even though we know that that was another war upon us by the globalist international bankers via England and the crown colonies. I mean, come on, 700, 500, 200, and then they have another one in 1821. That's not even a proper 200 years. Make up your mind. Oh, goodness. Kind of waters down Mexican Independence Day, if you ask me. Kind of makes it worth nothing. Sorry, guys, I'm just a little bitter. Um, He's hosting a communist dictator that just killed probably thousands of Cubans that wanted their freedom. And it's being covered up with COVID-19. Okay. They're saying, you know, you know, these mass graves in Cuba was not because of the Delta variant. You know, it's because this piece of crap right here on the screen known as President uh, Diaz Canal Bermudez of frickin Cuba killed a whole bunch of Cubans. Okay, and and the world will never know because Biden and uh, the Democrat Party, who who installed Wi-Fi in Cuba to begin with. I have that story. I've not shared it, but this was back during Obama. Okay. This is back during Obama that they had installed uh, social social media platforms, apps and Internet in Cuba. Okay, and yet Biden can't seem to figure how to turn it on. And now President Obrador is going to host this bloodthirsty mofo in his country. Not happy, not happy at all, guys. And uh, yeah, but 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 but, but, uh, you know, um, President Obrador, this is what he has to say. Uh, he says. He says. Uh, he says that um, uh, President uh, Diaz Canal will deliver a speech, just like any of our other previous guests have, and especially because Mexico has a long-standing friendly relationship with the Cuban government, because apparently they have no sense of morality over there in Mexico, and I guess that's kind of the message that I've been sending today. And throughout about Mexico, opportunistic not to be trusted, no sense of morality, they sleep with their own family members, people whoa, I'm getting a little bit too personal here let's finish up today 's story with this let's talk a little bit about Canada now we're we're almost done with today's report. this won't be too much longer, but we have to talk about Canada because much like we just saw the failed and fraud recall election in California. Canada is having their federal elections in four days, five days if you include today. Okay, so uh, that's right. They're having their federal elections. It was supposed to take place in October, I believe that was a date, but it was moved up by Trudeau, and now they have elections happening in five days. So uh, let's 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 just close off tonight with Canada. Um, now, um, Canada's main opposition against Trudeau and they're all bought out and paid for shills, paid opposition in Canada. There's only one party over there that is not, and we'll talk about them in just a minute, but to be sure, just so you kind of have a, an, a running idea of what is happening in the Canadian elections. Should you be interested? That's why we're watching the international report here at Sea report. You got the liberals and the conservatives. They're not very creative in their names. You got Trudeau and you have a guy named Eric O'Toole. Now, Eric O'Toole has been effective enough and talking smack about the way Trudeau has been running things that in the elections, they're facing basically like a 50-50 between conservatives and liberals with another party known as the New Democrats, right? Who are in a close third. So that is kind of where we're landlocking right now. Now, Trudeau, he is not part of a majority party. He is a president who has to rely on the majority parties in order to do what he wants to do. Now, the main facet that the Conservative Party is attacking Trudeau on in Canada is in regards to the rise in inflation. He's saying that basically Canadians cannot afford Trudeau, right? Our morality cannot afford Trudeau if we're going there. But again, you know, uh, they're talking about skyrocketing inflation, skyrocketing costs of living, most of it revolving around their gas prices. Okay, statistics are showing that the annual inflation rate in August in Canada accelerated to 4.1%, which is the highest level since March 2003. Okay, and uh, so again, all of these points are being cast upon Trudeau. Good, they should be. Um, but in this regard, though, again, we're seeing what uh, the conservatives and liberals basically in a landlock with a close third coming up behind by the new Democrats. OK, um, and, and that's basically what we're looking at for Canada's Election Day activities. OK, but ladies and gentlemen, like I said, and because we need to support true conservatives People who truly believe in human choice, human rights, human liberties, which is all covered in our Bill of Rights and our Constitution, right? Okay, so we have um, a rogue party known as the People's Party of Canada, the PPC, all right? And that's when we're going to be talking about this man here, Maxine Bernier. Bernier, Bernier. okay, if I want to say it like a French, he's French, okay, he speaks French, so anyways, what is, uh, what is, what is most important here, because the likeliness of the People's Party of Canada, barring fraud of them actually winning or placing in the for current federal election is basically nil, okay, basically nil, but since Maxime Bernier, broke free from the Conservative Party because uh, he, was, he was in disagreement with them and ousted and created his own party, which is the People's Party of Canada. They have gone from having like 0.16% approval all the way up through like a 6-7% to approval and people actually voting for them, supporting them wanting them to be the uh, ruling party of Canada. Now, this is a long shot in terms of what we know by percentages and parties here in America. Um, But it's very encouraging to note, and maybe I'm a glasses half full kind of guy, but it is very encouraging to note that the People's Party of Canada are actually on the rise, and they are considered to be an emerging potential spoiler of this election, meaning that while Maxime Bernier may not get into office, they may actually take some seats where they had none, where he lost his seat. They may actually take some seats to have a say in their legislative process in their uh, parliament, okay? So that's encouraging, okay? It might be a long shot from freedom for Canadians, but at least they will have some sort of representation, which in my opinion is encouraging. And that mustard seed is enough for me to have faith in Canadians abroad. All right, guys. So don't, 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 don't scoff or smirk or, 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 pather away this story, it's a good thing. It's a really good thing that there's actually a party in Canada that represents the will of the people and they're not bought out and paid for controlled opposition. So important. It's so important. Okay, it's so important, guys. So in 2018, just a quick recap, uh, Maxime Bernier had a falling out with his party and faced a backlash over the statements that he made about immigration and multiculturalism. Again, something that we're fighting here. Now they've had this multiculturalism, invite immigrants in, don't uh, have open borders in Canada for decades. It sounds like, based on some of the reports that we've shared here, and it was like, "Canada first, close the borders. We don't want that. We need to we need to strengthen our borders and and help Canadians. Enough of all of this uh, mishmash that we are currently experiencing here in the states." Okay. Um, so he was ousted and he quit the Conservative Party and formed his own federal party. Um, now, uh, Mr. Bernier a, is also a former Canadian foreign minister. He is a populist with a libertarian bent whose supporters have nicknamed him Mad Max. And um, again, he is uh, he is named the People's Party of Canada as a coalition of people disenchanted with traditional politicians, a shame that we have to call these politicians traditional. Um, but uh, apparently, that is how they are accepted nowadays. Now, the PPC has a wide-ranging platform that includes limiting migra- immigration, an end to corporate welfare, a pro-firearm stance, and a rejection of what it terms climate change alarmism. Okay. Uh Mr Bernier is 58 years old and he's been a very vocal opponent of what he calls authoritarian restrictions um against um uh, what the uh, current um, um administration in ca- Canada is doing that is by way of vaccine passports and mandating vaccines okay he believes much like we do that it is about a choice and that our sacred vessels should not be violated at the behest of a federal government. So again, like I said, um, um, the PPC is rising. The likeliness of them actually placing presidency in Canada is very nil, uh, but they are at an above 6.5% um, um, sampling and poll numbers, Okay. That puts them in fourth place in Canada, okay? Glass half full, Mr. C. They're in fourth place where there could be none. And there's several other parties in Canada that they are contending with. That means that he has a voice, they have a voice, and people are listening, okay? So who knows what could happen come around the next federal election cycle in Canada, they might have a thirty percent, a twenty percent, a fifty percent. You never know, guys. The uh, fires of liberty could, like, definitely rush the minds of Canada and Canadians. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's uh, fun, uh, funnier things have happened. Look at Brazil, okay, um, and and that right now is a country that represents as a liberated people, and they're fighting for their freedom. Okay, they are fighting for their freedom. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I thought that uh, I would just uh, share that story with you guys uh, and kind of close up today's Sea Report in regards to that, Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, There we go. There's the Sea Report sign. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys had a great time tonight. I know I did. Um, (laughs) I know I was a little off my rocker today, but, uh, I think it's all good. Um, rapture ready. Thank you for gifting. The can says from sundown tonight to sundown tomorrow, observing day of atonement. See you later, fam. You have a great evening rapture ready. And thank you for being in the chats today and appreciate, uh, your donations to, uh, the C chats, C report, C channel, Mr. C, however you want to call it. It's much appreciated guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, I think we'll end it there. Uh, thank you all for being in attendance. Sherry Pittsburgh, Just V, W.C. Cranop, Two Rivers, um, Ohio Kimmy, Aurelius Locke. And if I missed you, you know I love you. I know there's more of you guys out there, but uh, all right. I think that, uh, that concludes that, ladies and gentlemen. I said Two Rivers. <laughs> All right, guys, let me release the scratching, uh, so you guys can, uh, itch that scratch that we tend to have sometimes. Belushi, thank you for being in the, the chat today also. Um, and, uh, we will see you guys manana. And, uh, we'll be back to, uh, headlines from America. They, uh, they wave in the wind. They smell like obituaries and coffee. Headlines of America. The scratching should be released? Yeah, I think so. All right, guys. <laughs> just V says, Love it when you vent, Mr. C. It happens sometimes. Casual GG. Good evening. Speak uneasy. You too, sir. You guys all have a great night. Here, let me scratch with you guys. I got an itch to scratch. Oh, nothing. Oh, wait. Well, it it just goes that way. It just goes that way. We'll talk a little bit about California tomorrow. WC, very, we're very, very upset about that. But glass is half full, guys. Uh, there's got to be a way out. There's got to be a way out. But uh, we'll cover that tomorrow. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for tuning in to the uh, Mr. C, uh, the C Report, and uh, we will see you guys tomorrow. Uh, till then, be safe, uh, be blessed, and as always, God bless America.